When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll. I am your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball from now until the end of the Final Four. The road will end there, and today is a very special day. It is March 1st, the first day of our favorite month of the year, and everything I'm feeling right now about March, the weather, it's starting to get a little better. We're already starting to see some daytime college basketball, which is my favorite to watch. During the day, you don't really have going uh, a lot going on at work, so you have the opportunity to watch some basketball. And this is really the time of year where everything is just so significant. Every move and shot and pass you make on the basketball court, that could, de- could determine what your future holds. And I think this weekend really did a good job showing us that with all the buzzer beaters, all of the insane action that we saw on Saturday and Sunday. We spoke a lot about that on Monday's show, but today's March 1st. It's my favorite time of year, the best month of the year, and I'm really looking forward to breaking down all of the college basketball with you guys on the show. And joining me today, like he has for the last couple Wednesdays on this show, is former D1 head coach Jamie and Christian. Coach, what's going on? Thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, wanted to wish you a very happy March. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's amazing that we've been able to watch all these games all year. And as we get to the end, the road starts to narrow. We really get a chance to see the very best teams under the most amount of pressure. There's nothing more fun than that. Absolutely. And Coach, my first thought I have for you is when we get to this time of year, you just mentioned it, you are literally working out, going through everything with your teammates and everyone in that building for months now. And it's all leading up to this, all the work, you did in the offseason, all the hard work you did throughout the year. In your experience coaching, like overall around this time of year, what is your main message to your team to finish strong and to play? It's very important to play your most important basketball during this time of year. Did you have any specific strategies or thoughts that you tried to send through your team that when we got to this time of year, okay, it's time to lock in. It's time to play our most important and most focused basketball. Yeah, what we always tried to do was just give real confidence and clarity within the moment. And so when I say confidence, this is what we've been building up to all season long. You know, the first part of the year, we're learning about ourselves, learning how to become the team that we can become. The middle part of the year, we're really starting to hit our stride and we can feel it. And then at the end of the year, it's when we've kind of put all three of these parts together. And now we're so connected as a unit. We know our strengths and our weaknesses. We know the things that we're great at, the things we need to improve on. 
and we have an ability and have a culture how we're going to win and compete. So you want to build towards that in terms of being able to, to build that kind of confidence. And then when you talk about clarity, it's just about, it's important to understand how to be ready for the moment. You have to recognize what that moment is. Um, I don't believe in suppressing the moment. This is just like any other game. I don't believe in that um, because you're going to get to that game. You're going to get that performance and everything that's going to be happening, all the emotions you're going to be feeling are going to tell you this is not just like any other game. So we wanted to make sure we did a great job all season long and just recognizing the moment so we can put ourselves in the right mindset of what it's going to be like. You know, I'd encourage our players to watch the other conference tournament games and watch the flow of play and watch how the referees called the game. And I'd encourage them to really embrace this time of year and not be afraid of it. You know, so many coaches I've heard in the past say, you know, turn your TV off and don't watch anything. And I feel like you're going to get to the arena and you're going to recognize what a big moment this is. And you've worked for this all year long. So let's just have a great recognition of what this moment is. Let's make sure we stick to our values of how we like to play as a team and then allow ourselves to go out and play our very best, which is always our team's goal to be our best when our best is required and go out here and do that uh, when it matters most. I think that's a really good point because the NCAA tournament, like it's called the big dance for a reason is all of these teams that make it, they're playing on the biggest stage in front of the biggest audience. And I think it's really important to encourage and ingrain that mindset in your team of like, okay, yeah, it's a huge game. If you get nerd, like it's understandable if you get a little nervous, but you have to go into these games thinking to yourself like, okay, this is the biggest stage where I have a chance to make a huge impact. I know uh, you've tweeted about this a lot over the course of the last few weeks, but March, it's such a great time of year because it gives a lot of coaches and a lot of players an opportunity to step up in the biggest moment and to get more recognized and to hopefully lead to more bigger and better things on in their careers. Like as great as your team and your season is like, this is really the opportunity for your future. If you want to make an impact. And I feel like not everyone realizes that at times, like it is called the big dance for the reason, because the stage is literally the biggest and it's just a huge opportunity to improve things for you, your family, everything going forward. Yeah. You know, we would talk a lot about, and again, we talked this build up through the course of the year and it's a, it's a little theoretical, you know, this isn't, you know, this is the thing that I want to give our guys a vision of. We talk about MEP that's called mental, emotional, physical brains. And it's like, you have three brains working at the same time. Your mental brain is how you, how you stay disciplined under pressure. Um, your physical brain are, you know, the shuttles you run for conditioning, how you run your plays through just that mental, that the physical work that you do consistently, you know, and so as you talk about building onto the year, this time becomes really emotional. Um, part of the emotion are nerves. You're going to be nervous. Typically, athletes are good at being a little nervous. Um, a lot of times you need nerves to recognize the moment of telling your brain to have an awareness that something's important happening to, is happening to you. So you have a chance to kind of recognize that and you can work through your nerves. But the other kind of emotion um, which becomes like almost like you're avoiding the goal, right? So you can go and try to experience this goal, and I'm just going to go for it as far as I can go and not be held back. But a lot of time you get this time of year, and guys start working almost on an avoidance goal. And that's to say that I'm afraid to go for the moment because I want to hold on to all the things we've had. We've had a great year. We've maybe won a championship. We finished third. We had this great turnaround. I want to hold on to all, all I got there. And those kind of avoidance goals are a little bit more dangerous than nerves. And you'll start to see that, especially when you have these teams here that are that are just inside the NCAA tournament, and then they'll start losing two or three games at the end, and all of a sudden they're in the first four out. 
you start to see them trying to hold on to what they have instead of putting their head down like a Penn State gets a chance to do right now or Maryland gets a chance to do right now and just say, we're going to go for it. We're going to leave everything out on the line and we're going to go for this opportunity. So I think the emotions and recognizing where they're coming from become pretty important. As a coaching staff, we always try to do a great job of just addressing it, finding the root of the emotion and then trying to coach them through it. And I think that's really important, too, because as a coach, you really just have to do the best you could to really install the right mindset into your players playing in this magnitude. Like the games are just that big. And I know throughout the season, every game and every situation is different. But playing on the neutral floors, playing in front of the biggest audience with big media availability, there is just nothing like the NCAA tournament. But coach, there were a couple results and things that happened on the court last night that I wanted to get your opinion on. And I wanted to start in the Big Ten because I think it's so fascinating. The last two years, the Big Ten has gotten 10 and 9 teams into the Big Dance, respectively, which is a lot of teams. But once they get there, unfortunately, the success hasn't really been there. We know this conference has not won a national championship since Michigan State in 2000. And looking at the teams that they're going to have in the big dance this year, it's going to be around the same number, around nine, 10 teams. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, why has this conference had so much trouble winning and advancing in the month of March? And I think a little bit could be attributed to the style of play. Like, you don't really see that hard-nosed, tough, physical style in other conferences. And sometimes they have some trouble adjusting. But when you look at the Big Ten, are there any teams in particular that you look at and you circle and say, okay, I could see this team having success. I think they're well built to make a run in March. And do you have any thoughts on why this conference has had a little bit of trouble breaking through in March Madness, even though they're usually getting the most teams? You know, it's a great conference because of how how they play. Um, Them making the change to playing 20 conference games is going to allow them to get more teams in every year. Um, just because they're going to keep there. I mean, Ohio State, like a week ago, we had a 50 net, and they hadn't won a game in two months. So them being able to play with the numbers, if the committee isn't able to look through some of that and recognize that they've manipulated the numbers, um, they're going to consistently be fooled by maybe the teams at the end that kind of get in. But it's a great league in the sense that it plays so physical. It's generally a pretty experienced league. You know, you don't have a lot of one-and-done guys or two-and-done guys coming out of the Big Ten. Um, that means that your bat quality of basketball through the course of the year is going to be better. Defense is going to be better. Offense is going to be better. You know, it's and you never get an easy night. Um, I don't know if that's the style of play. Because I think depending on what league you're in, you've kind of got to play the style that, that allows you to win in that league, and I think that can be difficult. Um, but when I look at this league, I think, wow, like Indiana has a level of pop that's a little different. I don't know if they have enough depth. I think getting Xavier Johnson back could help, but that's also going to be an interesting situation trying to work him back into this rotation that he has that he's been out of for a little while. I like the pop that they have. I like Purdue because they have the most dominant player. Um, I know in years past, Purdue hasn't found a way to kind of break through, but they haven't had you know a guy who every, every game they have the most dominant player right now, and I think that can stay consistently. They take a little bit of slide lately. That can happen to teams late in the year. But recognize that once they get in the NCAA tournament, you know, these teams have to line up with them one time. These big, these big 10 teams are playing them for the second time, so they have a little bit better understanding of how to handle it or maybe what to go through. But they seem to be a really tough team that you got to play one time. So I actually like those two teams as a chance to compete on that level. Um, and I think when you really look at it, the reason that they haven't broke, broken through as a league is just simply because 
the number of, of pros. I mean, they're putting out a lot of NBA guys who are role players that can kind of fit into situations, but not putting a lot of guys who have a chance to be all-stars and superstars as of right now. And so, you know, the, when you get to the top of that spear of the very best teams, they typically have a person like a Brandon Miller or someone that's just so unique that it's a really hard matchup for somebody. But, you know, this could be the year for, for the Big Ten just because basketball is so even right now. Their physicality is going to be an issue for teams come March. Definitely. And I'm happy you brought up both Indiana and Purdue because we saw those two teams play on Saturday in Mackey Arena, a very tough environment. And that was such an impressive win for Indiana. And I believe our guy Aaron Torres has said this a few times, and I, I think I do agree with him. Like he is circling Indiana as the team in this league that has the most potential to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you said. Like they have the two dudes that have a really good chance to be uh, successful professional NBA players in Trace Jackson Davis and Jaden Hood Shafino. Shafino was phenomenal uh, on Saturday night at Mackey Arena, uh, putting up 35 points, leading the Hoosiers to the victory over the Boilermakers. And it's funny with Indiana because like, I think sometimes we forget this is only Mike Woodson's second year uh, as head coach of the program. He's an Indiana guy. It feels like he's been around much longer. And really, like, since he's taken over, he gets them to the tournament in his first year last year. They won a tournament game in Dayton, which is always a good thing for your program, experiencing that feeling of winning in the NCAA tournament. But then this year, they had a lot of uh, heavy expectations. It wasn't easy, especially with the injuries they suffered early. You mentioned – uh Xavier Johnson, but now they are in a very good position to have a favorable seed in the big dance, probably around that four or five seed line. But they came back yesterday after that Purdue game and had a pretty disappointing loss to Iowa going not going down 90 to 68. This is a Indiana team that the thing that's interesting with me about them is no one on their team from up and down the roster has really experienced that deep, consistent NCAA tournament success. They do have a couple freshmen in Huchafino, in Malik Renew, but even their experienced guys, Jackson Davis and Miller Kopp and Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson, like they don't have a ton of tournament experience, but they do have the two surefire pros that in most games they're going to play, they're going to be the best two players on the floor. So when you look at this Indiana team, do you label them as a team of anyone in the Big Ten that could break through and kind of end this trend of Big team, Big Ten teams struggling a little bit in the month of March and especially compared to Purdue, because I'm curious like where they stand right now as well, what their mental psyche is after having such a great season, but recently they've lost a few games and all of a sudden they could be slipping off that one line. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, Indiana to me definitely has a chance. I mean, you know, they're having a, having a player on the inside that can really dominate and having a head coach like Woodson who knows how to utilize his skills I think that's a real value. I mean, Mike Woodson's done an unbelievable job of making you guard their best player every time down the floor, which I tell you, I don't think college offenses do enough. I think college offenses sort of balance it out more. Him coming from a pro-style offense where they're where they're going to make you guard their best player every time down the floor is a major threat. I think he's done an outstanding job of that. And if you don't stop him in, inside, he's going to continue to score, right? And so you've got to then force that and make a decision on what you're going to do defensively it's just been outstanding to watch. And I think that does give them a little bit of a separator. You know, he can score it on the inside. He can rebound it for you. He can run the floor. They've got some pop there. You know, Jordan Hood Shafino, who I had a chance to work with some this summer, I love his mindset. You know, when I walked out of Chris Paul camp this summer, I, I had him as a guy circled 
And so this is a guy that has the potential to be a really, really great NBA player, a really, really good NBA player, because he's got a maturity and a, a processing speed that's really unique. I thought early on having to play the point guard spot, it was just going to be tough because he had to make the adjustment. But he was the type of person that I knew had the ability to make those kind of adjustments as the year went on and continue to get better. He just has that kind of innate ability. I think those guys are really exciting. I think Xavier Johnson is, is exciting for me because it gives him a chance to play both those guys together. And sometimes the Indiana team lacks some shooting on the perimeter. Um, being able to put Jalen Hutchifino on off the ball some as a guy that can catch and shoot some very good catch and shoot guy. I think that there's there there's gonna that could be a good balance there for them. So I'm really interested to watch how they kind of all operate together. I think how they bring uh, Xavier Johnson into this rotation is going to be particularly important. But again, I like I like Indiana. Um, I'm not as worried about Purdue. I'll hit on that real quick about them slipping. Those things sort of just happen through the course of the year. They're going to re get rejuvenated when they get a chance to get to the Big Ten tournament. Um, I think Purdue's still going to be a major factor. Yeah, I'm very interested as well in terms of what Indiana does bringing back Xavier Johnson because I think Huchifino, like he's been really good with the ball in his in his hands. And I think big picture for him, it's given him the opportunity to show that he's capable of making plays with the ball in his hands. And he is just so good at getting that like 12 foot mid-range jump shot. It feels like it goes in every time. And I'm just so fascinated by Indiana because it feels like for the past eight to 10 years, Everything that could go wrong just goes wrong with the, this program, especially when they get into the big game and the big moments. But with Mike Woodson here now, it's definitely a different feel. It feels so good as a college basketball fan to know Assembly Hall is going to be rocking every time Indiana takes the floor there. And overall, they've been a really good home team. But Iowa going in there last night and just hitting every single shot, it felt like. That was impressive to me. Well, you know, Iowa is obviously on a high um, since the friends stare down. They've seen to be unbeatable. Um, and you know, they're, they're a team that can beat you. I mean, they're experienced, they can score the ball. They don't always defend it great, but because they can score the ball, you got to really pay attention to them. That can be difficult. Um, and they can get anybody on any, any given night. I think when I look at Iowa, I don't, I don't worry about them having the ability to, to win any given night against a lot of people. It's just how consistent they're going to be. Um, I think consistently competitively, they can kind of be on a wave a little bit because it's based so much on their offense. But again, you know, I'm not surprised they went there and beat Indiana. They're they're a good team. They're a good offensive team, and with their experience level, I mean, they're one of the older teams I'd imagine in the big in the Big Ten. Their, their experience level, they, they can they they can win a game or two. It's just about how consistent can they be. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Definitely. And one other team I wanted to bring up in the Big Ten that's really been standing out to me is Michigan State. And I know that blown lead against Iowa 
on Saturday was not ideal. But honestly, the crazy thing about that was it's not like they choked the game away. You know, they hit they hit eight of nine free throws in the last two minutes of the game. They only had one turnover, but Iowa literally just could not miss from three. Somehow they get the game into overtime and uh, Michigan State unfortunately dropped that game. But I was impressed with them last night. They're playing at Nebraska and I know it's Nebraska, but the Huskers have actually caught some people a little bit off guard during Big Ten play at home. This is a Nebraska team that has beaten Maryland at home. They've beaten Wisconsin at home. They've beaten Penn State at home. Uh, These are all pretty solid Big Ten teams, and it looked like for a second Michigan State was going to be added to that list. Nebraska was up 38-26 to at the half last night, but Michigan State outscores them 54-29 to in the second half, and Obviously, whenever you have Tom Izzo as your coach, you're always going to be a threat in March. But Indiana, or excuse me, Michigan State has three guards in Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogarth and Jade Nakins alongside Joey Hauser. Like all four of those guys have the ability to shoot and score the basketball. And I've been on the Michigan State bandwagon really since the beginning of the season. If you remember, like their first game against Gonzaga on that Air Force carrier in San Diego, they made that game really competitive. And I just love this team's guards and sh- ability to make shots. We know in the month of March when you're so well scouted on your opponents and you know everything, like what they do well, what they do poorly, and you just need someone to step up and make a play. I think Michigan State has that. And if anyone is looking for a dangerous team that's going to be seated in that 7 to 10 range in your bracket, I'm in on this Michigan State team. And when I look at the Big Ten, if I'm labeling like a semi-sleeper or a team that can make a deep run, maybe not everyone has on their radar. I think Michigan State is that team for me. You know, I, I love Michigan State. Um, Jaden Akins, I had a chance to work with him this summer as well. Um, I, I walked out of there understanding Michigan State basketball. You know, I was there at Chris Paul's camp with, with, I think it was like 10 of the top 25 players in the country at the time. And 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 high school and, and college and you know, he won the one-on-one competition against the very best uh, on the last day when we were really trying to test the merit of the guys. And he told me before the game, he said, before they started playing one-on-one, he said, I'm going to win this today. And and that just showed me Michigan State basketball right there. You know, there are a lot of guys um, that are at that camp that, that were not trying to compete on that last day. And he was trying to compete. He was trying to set himself and trying to separate himself on that day. And that's Michigan State basketball. It's like we're going to show up with our lunch pail every single day. We're going to give our very best effort. We're going to go and attack this thing. And if you're not ready to play, then we're going to, then we're going to beat you. And shoot, if you're ready to play, you know, you, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a great chance to beat you. And I just remember on that day, watch that and just having so much respect for Michigan state basketball, because, you know, it could have been easy for a guy like that to say, you know, we're just going to step away from it. And he didn't. And so when I watch this Michigan state team all year long, like they're just going to show up and they're going to compete on the glass and they're going to defend you. And they're going to figure out how to score points. It's not always going to be beautiful. And they're going to hang their hat on that. Um, they're a dangerous team because, like, I mean, they they're going to get scoring from whoever whoever gets gets it going that day. Um, and people just don't bring toughness to the fight every day. And they're bringing toughness. They're leading with toughness. Um, you know, the, you know, I, I will actually the game against Iowa. If they give Fran a technical for staring the ref down, the game's over. We're not even talking about that. You know, I think that's more of a I think that's more of an administrative mistake than anything. Um, and it just completely changed it, ch- turned it around. I mean, if you, if you watch the game, the next play after staring him down, the ref's trailing. The guy, one of the Iowa State guys fouls. He doesn't blow the whistle on the foul. The guy on the wing calls a foul. So that stare down 100% was effective. 
and allowed for this comeback to really happen. You give a technical there to Sess, makes it two free throws, the game's over, and it's dead right there. He's kicked out of the game, it's over. Um, so I think that's a pretty pivotal part. I don't hold that against Michigan State. I think everybody's got to do their job on the floor. But I think Michigan State's a really tough team, um, and they're going to be a tough out for whoever they play. You, like you don't want to, you don't want to look on the bracket and say, "I got Michigan State." You just don't want, you don't want that. Um, and someone's going to have that distinction. Yeah, and, and again, like the craziest thing about that was usually when you're blowing a double-digit lead in the last minute or so, you're going to do just so many things that literally cost yeah. your team the game. And they were hitting free throws; they only turned the ball over once and the fact that Iowa uh, via the, that France stare down they were able to change the game and and win like wow what a crazy result what a crazy uh, final minute over there in the Big Ten on Saturday but probably, pro- probably after four made threes you might want to foul on the fifth <laughs> I'm not a big foul guy all right I'm not a big foul I'm like usually played out but I think after they hit a couple I think you want to just give one up of if there was a, any kind of you know, thought process there. I think that was a good time to give one up. Well, I'm happy you brought this up because this is like, honestly, why I love talking to you, why we love having you on is that same situation happened in another game this weekend on Sunday, uh, Michigan against Wisconsin, ironically, another big 10 game where Wisconsin has the ball. They're up three. They actually got a deflection in the final 10 minutes. So Michigan only had the ball with literally like two seconds left down three, trying to tie the game. What is your go-to strategy in a situation like that? Does it really depend on other circumstances? Like if the other team has been shooting the ball really well throughout the game going into that final play or who your opponent is like, are there different factors that go into that decision when you're trying to make it? Well, my team's always been usually, I think eight out of 10 years or something, seven out of 10 years, our teams were some of the best to defend in the three. So I've always been a non-foul guy because that's what we do well. If you got to make threes and we're great at defending the three, you know, there's no point of us to foul. Usually the trade-off to that, if I'm a great team defending the three, that usually means I'm not a great rebounding team. That's just kind of how you fly around and you're not going to be great at a lot of things. So I've always been a non-foul guy because I've always even worried about, hey, they got to go to the free throw line. They're they're going to get this offensive rebound because <laughs> we're not a great defensive rebounding team. So I think it's about knowing what your team is and what it can be. Um, watching a lot more this year, much more inclined uh, when I have the opportunity to do it again to foul, um, especially if it's like a six point lead. If you're like up six, then, you know, if I if I if I don't give you a chance to take it, then now you make one or two, then now we can reset everything. Um, but I think it's it's definitely more in my purview now than it's ever been just watching some of these opportunities. Like if you fire if you foul Hunter Dickinson right there on the catch. You know, he's got to make one free throw. He's got to miss it. He's shooting the free throw. So he's the guy you'd be worried about on the back tap on the line. You know, that's going to be a tough, tough matchup for for Michigan to be able to get there. Um, but I just think it's, it, you know, I think statistically it says there's really no, there's no advantage one way or the other, I believe. I think it's about half and half of what happens. So it's just about really sticking with what you do and practicing it. The big thing is you got to, if you're going to foul, you have to practice fouling because guys try to try to get, try to get cute at the end and get fouled trying to shoot it. So I think you do need to have, have some of that in practice before. Yeah. I definitely think that's a really good point of if you're going to do it, you just cannot afford to foul the three point shooter. And if you give up an and one, that is just the absolute nightmare scenario. But it's also interesting. Like the example that I heard a lot of other people talking about, and it's a really good point is in the 2019 elite eight Virginia against Purdue, uh, Virginia looked dead. They're down to, 
uh, shooting free throws, and uh, they had to miss a free throw, collect it at midcourt, make a crazy pass, make the shot. Like so many different things had yeah. to go right, and the percentages of it all happening like were, were pretty unlikely. Somehow it did. And when you compare that to just having to make one three-point shot, even if it is a pretty difficult one like Dickinson had to make, like I do think fouling in that situation should definitely be something more coaches look at, especially in this era where, you know, three-point shooting has never been better. Yeah. And I, and I think like watching it now, having a full year to watch, it's like there's definitely a certain situation you want to you want to foul on. Um, and there's certain situations that you don't. And I think just figuring out what that is. Luck is a part of the game. You can't control everything. Um, the I think the numbers are an important part, but I think as a coach, you, you know, you get paid to go with your gut. And sometimes your gut's going to be wrong, and sometimes it's going to be right. I think it usually evens out more right than wrong, to be honest with you. But I think knowing what your team does well and, and being able to execute there at the moment is the most important thing. Definitely. Looking at some of the other results from last night, of course, what makes this time of year so special is conference tournaments are going on in the Horizon League. Detroit, they had a monster win last night. Anton Davis uh, climbing and climbing closer and closer towards uh, breaking that all-time Division One scoring title record. Also uh, had some games in the Atlantic Sun the last two nights. Uh, Bellarmine, they had a, a crazy last-second victory in the final seconds. Unfortunately, their run came to an end last night against Liberty, the top seed in that league, who is just very dangerous uh, out of the Atlantic Sun. But, Coach, I wanted to ask you, like, you have won these, uh, quote-unquote, mid-major conference tournaments. You've been to the big dance. When you're in a position like this, knowing that really your whole season comes down to this, and I know a lot of people say that, like, throughout all of college basketball, even – at the power five, power six level. But when you're in a situation where you literally have to win your conference tournament in order to hear your name called on selection Sunday, what is the message you're sending towards your team leading up to that? And especially during the tournament in that kind of setting where your players might not even be too familiar with playing three games in, in three days and, and dealing with opponents that you've seen for the majority of the season. Well, we'd always try to find a tournament early in the year where we played two or three games, you know, on back-to-back-to-back days. Um, we'd always try to find a tournament that mirrored our our conference tournament. So if we could do that at the beginning of the year, then we can say, hey, this is going to be how you're going to feel at the end of the year. This is how it's going to feel. This is a simulation of our preparation for the conference tournament. So we would start there. Again, I think so much of it is mindset training, and you have to do your mindset training well before you get to the opportunity. So that I think that's really important to understand um, once you get to the opportunity for us, it was all about aggressive, confident, and loose. Um, the more, the more aggressive team, the more connected team always wins. We want it to really be great in those areas and understand that your energy in a neutral site game can power you to be, to have more, you know, if you're playing a team that's powered by their home court, by their home teams, you talked about Maryland, you talked about Nebraska teams like that, that only win at home they're going to struggle in a neutral side game at the end of the year just because they're not used to creating their own energy. Now the energy that we create, we're going to, as a team, as a unit, as a program is really going to be powerful. So we want to focus on that. We want to focus on our ability to connect on little things. We might add a detail in like, let's count our box outs out on every possession and have someone on the bench yell it out and just give energy in some different ways um, guys, maybe you're getting denials. You're going to count out how many denials we get on a possession just to give energy in some different ways. And then being loose and not, 
you know, again, acknowledging the moment, but acknowledging that you're ready for this moment. And I've been, I've been fighting for this moment. I'm happy to be here and have an appreciation for it. So we really focus a lot on those things. Um, not even that much you think on the opponent, um, because you know, your opponent, your opponent knows you, you know, whoever brings the right mental focus to the opportunity and to the battle has the best chance to win. We would focus more on our side, having the best, best, have the best advantages there and then try to keep the game plan pretty simple. Let's get downhill. Let's play our basketball and let's go see if they can match our energy today. I think it's an under discussed point when you're playing in those kind of environments and those kind of settings where like a lot of times it's during the day, there's not a ton of crowds you're dealing with and you really do have to create that spark, your own energy, as you mentioned. And that could be very challenging for a lot of teams, especially the ones that haven't really been in that kind of environment before. And I think it really all comes back to where we started uh, this conversation here uh, today on the show is it's all about that mindset. This is the most important time of year, but also in many ways, the most difficult time of year, because you've played your opponent at least once, you know, just about everything they do well, everything they don't do well. And just little things like that. The margin for, for error is so thin, especially this year when we know how big and, and how wide open the whole college basketball uh, picture is. So I'm really looking forward to watching a little bit more of these conference tournaments. And coach, before we get out of here, I just want to throw it over to you. Any other thoughts uh, you've had over the last couple of days watching some college hoops or anything else you wanted to hit on? Yeah, I would say I'd encourage basketball fans, watch these mid-major and low-major opportunities. They're great teams to watch. The energy in these places, especially when they're at home environments, uh, it's just electric. I feel like it's such a purest form of college basketball, and these teams are playing for so much. And you're looking at teams, you know, like Bellarmine beat Louisville early in the year, and we thought that was such a great win. And Bellarmine's like one of the lower-seeded teams in their conference, and they're still battling for a chance to win it. And we know they can beat anybody. That's exciting to watch. You know, Kennesaw State had a win the other night against the number nine seed, and it came down to the last two or three minutes. You know, anything can happen in these mid, mid to low major games. It's great to watch. So if you're a basketball fan, check those out, enjoy them, enjoy how these teams play, and then use that to kind of get you ready for next week when we got, when we finish up with the Big East and ACC tournament and the Big Ten. And, but, you know, the next 10 days of college basketball are just as exciting as the next 25 days are going to be. So just enjoy all of it. Definitely. Really good stuff there from former D1 head coach Jamie and Kristen. We love when he joins us here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast on Wednesdays. And, Coach, I'm really looking forward to doing this uh, more and more as we get closer and just as we arrive at the tournament next week. It should be a great time. We'll see you next week.